Welcome, sports fans, to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. The presenting sponsor of the Matt Mosley Show is Central National Bank, your leading independent bank with locations in Waco, Temple, and Austin. Also sponsored by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, Barnett Contracting, Baylor Line Foundation, Myatt Fuels, Schmoltz's Sandwich Shop, VersaLive Southwest Time Manufacturing, and UBO Business Services. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. Hello, everybody. Uh, Matt Mosley not here today. He is gallivanting about Europe with the Mosley family. <laughs> I woke up this morning and was doing some things around the house. I'm Stephen Simcox, by the way. I used to work here. Now I have a boring day job, but sometimes they let me, you know, come do some radio for a little bit. I'm happy to be hosting, though, from four to six, along with Aaron Sexton, who is behind the controls and will be chiming in a lot as well. And I'd love to hear from you, 254-662-1660, as we go throughout the show today. But anyway, I'm uh, this morning I'm kind of doing some things around the house, and I get a text message, and I look, and Matt has sent me a picture from the coast of Italy <laughs> and just says, hey, this is the view from where I'm at, mm-hmm. which is a city I can't pronounce because I'm from McGregor. And anyway, uh, it looked great. On well, your is, defense, it's a city he can't spell either. Yes, he, he misspelled <laughs> it. So joke's on you, Matt. Looks like they're having a good time. They do. Oh, this. it looks gorgeous. I it mean, does. like. Oh, yeah. And they do this once a year, Aaron. This is like the yearly Mosley vacation to to Europe. Yeah, and I'm... If I get a couple of days, I go to, you know, Six Flags. Dallas. Taking a Ranger game. And look, that's great, but it's not quite quite Italy. Sometimes I feel like Matt would forget the people that he was working with. He would just throw things out there when I was, you know, producing Mm -hmm. his show. And he would say, Steven, have you ever been on a yacht before? And I I would think, no, I, I haven't. He was like, well, in my experience, on a yacht What's with your Jerry favorite Jones, European vacation spot? Right. right. Yeah. Where have you been, you know, across the pond? Uh, but anyway, we hope he has a good time getting some R&R. He'll be back at some point next week. But today, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, because I'm just going to sort of roll and talk about what I want. If you don't like it, I'll be gone, you know, tomorrow. So that's okay. Just tune in next week and things will be different. Uh, but I want to talk a lot of college football, especially in this first hour. We're coming off Big 12 Media Days which is always sort of a good starting point for the season. And um, one of the things that, you know, went down at Big 12 Media Days, Brett Yormark was introduced to the general public. He sort of gave his first comments as commissioner of the Big 12. He officially doesn't start until August 1st, but I I would think he's probably having some meetings behind the scenes, if I had to guess. And so I was just wondering, and we'll we'll get into this in the next segment, but feel free to text us now or call us at 254-662-1660. As a fan of Baylor or Texas or whoever you're a fan of, even if you're an Aggie out there in the SEC, what do you want from your conference commissioner? Because I know Bob Bowlesby was not the most popular guy in the world. People didn't always love his decision-making. I realized with Baylor, a lot of that had to do with his decision in 2014 to not name a champion. He named TCU and Baylor co-champions, and that hurt Baylor in the you know, first college football playoff selection. Um, and ultimately, like Texas and OU left on his watch, he just seemed like a guy that didn't always have a great picture of what was going to happen next. <laughs> like the, the future, right? Like he seemed a little behind on the times, Aaron. Right. And, you know, the famous quote about how he sleeps well at night because he doesn't worry about 
conference realignment <laughs> or expansion, and then Texas and Oklahoma are gone not too long after that. I think, honestly, and fair or unfair, I don't think it's unfair, Matt and I are pretty much in agreement on uh, the overall job that he did, but that that's going to be his legacy, that he was caught by surprise by those two teams leaving. The same with uh, with the uh, Pac-12 commissioner. Um, yeah, George Klykoff. Klykoff. George yeah. Klykoff, you know, he 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 made a handshake deal with the Big Ten and the ACC, the coalition or whatever it's called, and they basically were laughing. I don't know if they were actually laughing, but the whole time they were plotting to steal the best two schools out of the Pac-12. That's why you don't make handshake agreements, and I don't think we'll have to worry about that with the new Big 12 commissioner. Yeah, the alliance didn't work, and that alliance is the reason why we still have four playoff teams because the Pac-12, you know, along with the Big Ten and the SEC, said, okay, we're going to vote together. And ultimately, like the SEC just didn't want to expand right now, and the, the Pac-12 now kind of has an egg on their face because the Big Ten decided to poach their two most profitable schools. So let me know, 254-662-1660. What do you want out of your conference commissioner if you're a fan of the Big 12? Or I guess another way to say that is, if you're Brett Yormark, what's kind of your first priority? Um, and and I think it's expansion. We'll discuss that next. But it you know you're just sitting there in Waco. You're a Baylor fan. You're a Texas fan. Let us know what what you want your conference commissioner to do and what Brett Yormark could do to be more popular than the exiting Bob Bowlesby. Um, later on in the show as well, we'll talk Rangers. We'll have Campus Confidential, which is our daily segment at 4:40, or Matt's daily segment at 4:40, talking more college football. I want to talk some Rangers at five. So I have been more locked in to Texas Rangers baseball this year than I have the past few seasons. I think they're a fun team. You know, the Seager and Simeon deals, I feel like it's finally starting to to kind of come together and make sense, especially with Seager. He's hitting a lot of bombs. He's going to be an all-star, a substitute. Granted, he wasn't initially picked, but he's going to fill in. And, uh, you know, Marcus Simeon starting to heat up a little bit. Martin Perez has been a nice surprise. They've had some guys like Josh Smith, which is a fun story. But last night, they blew a one-run game. They've been terrible in one-run games this year. They were at 5 nothing. The M's slowly kind of chipped away. And the Mariners are red hot. I understand that. I think last night was their 11th win in a row. But it's, it's starting to kind of grate on me how bad this bullpen is. And I wonder what they do at the deadline. Because... I mean, you could obviously just say, okay, we're improving. We seem to be on the right track. Let's just keep everybody around, not be very aggressive, and stay on this path. I think they could be sellers. You know, they could maybe offload Martin Perez if they don't feel like he's a long-term solution for some more prospects. Or they could be aggressive and say, hey, let's, let's go after, you know, a couple arms. Let's maybe get another bat in this lineup. I know there was a rumor about the Rangers and Joey Gallery uniting. I'm not really interested in that. But, you know, if you're a Rangers fan, I want to discuss at 5 o'clock, what does this team do moving forward, especially here at the trade deadline, and what does that look like the rest of the season? Because maybe I'm wrong, Aaron, but I, I really think if this team had a functioning bullpen, they might be in the wild card hunt at least. So... It's sort of a tricky situation. I mean, what do you do? Do you are you aggressive and do you go out and try to improve this roster right now so that you can make a run at the playoffs, or do you just say, "Hey, let's pump the brakes, let's be patient here, 
and continue this rebuild. Well, you know, the thing is, with their position, the position they're in, you wouldn't have to do a ton to, like you say, compete for a wild card spot. Because if they could add a couple of arms to the bullpen and stop losing close games, which they've been losing all year, if they, I'd have to look, but I, I'm a, I've kept up with them pretty well too. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've run a bunch of the games at the station. <laughs> yeah, you're here at 10 o'clock at night most nights. Right. If they had won, I don't know, a little over half of all the one-run games that they've lost or the games that they've blown leads late in, they would probably be over 500 right now. I mean, even if you just take like the last few weeks, they had a couple games against the Orioles where, you know, Adley Rutschman tied the game in the ninth on a double. They let Rugnet Odor hit a bomb on him, which made me so upset. Rugnet's like hitting a bomb. He's like staring down the Rangers dugout. <laughs> like, dude, like Texas gave you every chance in the world to be exactly successful. Exactly right. They, they traded you because you were a terrible player. Yeah, stop. Yeah. You, you're hitting 206. Like, stop milking this home run for all it's worth. But we'll get into that at 5 o'clock. Uh, at 5.20... We might just let Aaron decide. We might let our listeners decide. I got a couple options for for that segment. I, I think it's always fun to get into the Cowboys. I have some thoughts about their offensive line. I'm I've been breaking down this O line the last few days, and I, I have to give some credit. I think Bob Sturm for the Athletic has sort of tipped me off to this. But he mentioned recently. He said, "I feel like the Cowboys' offensive line might be the biggest problem on this team." And I thought, oh, I don't know about that. But then I looked at who their projected starters are going to be. You know, Tyron Smith has been injury prone. Tyler Smith, the big kid out of Tulsa that they took in the first round. They're not sure if he's going to be a tackle or a guard yet. It seems like, at least in the immediate, he's probably going to play guard for them. Uh, Terrence Steele has been, you know, kind of a swing tackle for them. He might be forced into a starting role. Tyler Biotish is a young player who um, got thrown around by Eric Armstead in in that playoff game against the Niners. So anyway, I just... I'm I'm curious sort of where they're at because that used to be the biggest strength of this team and now it's not. I also, I enjoyed this article that Bryce Cherry wrote, uh, I believe it was yesterday, about the Longhorns. You know, UT, there's a lot of hype around them. Even though, I was surprised, Aaron. They finished fourth in the preseason media poll. I was shocked that they weren't picked second. Well, and I think what it is is I feel like people have been burned by Texas so much. That even though on paper, now the defense is a big issue. And they got question marks there. But like Quinn Ewers, if he's half of what they say he's going to be, then you got a good quarterback. Bijan Robinson's a very talented, talented running back. Xavier Worthy's a good wide receiver. Um, I heard Matt talking about this on a promo. I was like, my goodness, Matt, did you have to, <laughs> you know, throw up after saying that many good things about UT, the way he feels about the Longhorns. But I think he's right. Like on paper, this offense sets up to be really good. But Bryce is is a doubter, and so I, I just kind of wondered how people felt about them. Um, so we'll we'll look into that a little bit at five twenty. We'll sort of spin the wheel and see where we end up, and then we'll close up uh, shop with just some assorted stories from around uh, around sports. But coming up next, I want to talk uh, Big Twelve football. Hit me up on the text line two five four six six two sixteen sixty, or you can call us. We'd love to have a phone call too. What do you want from Brett Yormark? As a commissioner, what is it that you want out of a commissioner? What should his first priority be? I'll tell you why I think it should be expansion next. This is the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. Your weather report is brought to you by the Nitsche Group. 
Since 1949, the Nietzsche Group Insurance Agency has offered Texans policies for their personal, commercial, and bonding insurance needs. Check them out at nitchegroup.com. With the Nietzsche Group Insurance Agency, Texans can go to one company and get access to insurance coverage options from many carriers. Learn more at thenitchegroup.com. Your ESPN Central Texas forecast, not again hot the rest of the afternoon. Tonight, clear with a clear skies with an overnight low near 72 through the weekend sunny and continued hot with highs around 100 and overnight lows in the upper 70s currently it's 98 at espn central texas what a year for baylor athletics baylor will dribble out the clock a dominant performance on the road in a hostile environment in ames 87 to 62 the final score and as the clock hits zero the bears are the big 12 champions in this 2021 2022 season from the flagship station for baylor athletics espn central texas ready to break ground on your next commercial construction project Founded in 1969, Barnett Contracting is your single source for preparing for your next build. Their services include excavation, utilities, civil engineering, concrete work, paving, and storm drainage. Do business with Central Texas's premier site work contractor, Barnett Contracting, where they strive for successful projects and satisfy clients. Learn more at barnettcontracting.com. Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has been the number one provider of structural pipe, ranging from one half inch to 24 inch in diameter. They can handle all your fencing needs. They also carry square tubing from one half inch to six inches for weekend warrior projects, such as deer stands and ornamental iron jobs. If you need purlin, tubing, beams, weld plates, H braces, fence posts, culverts, or metal building supplies, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has the largest inventory of those products in Central Texas. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, with locations in Waco and Bryan and at pioneerboys.com. The best prices on newer used guns can be found at Appaloosa Trading Post Rodeo Pond. They have a large selection of 9mm guns, revolvers, shotguns, and ammo. From brand names like Smith & Wesson, Kanek, Bursa, Glock, and Ruger. Buy, sell, or trade with a friendly and knowledgeable staff that will promptly answer your questions. And ask about their lifetime warranty on new guns. Financing is available. Apply today by texting 16118222462. Appaloosa Trading Post Rodeo Pond, 3101 North Robinson Drive in Waco. The source for Baylor Athletic News and Information, ESPN Central Texas. Hey, this is Tom Barfield with the ESPN Central Texas Morning Show. And I'm here to tell you that Hurley Benefits has played a big role in helping me and my family with all of our health, dental, and vision insurance needs. Don't have health insurance? I highly recommend you call the experienced and knowledgeable team at Hurley Benefits. They specialize in affordable life insurance, health insurance, dental and vision insurance, Medicare supplements, and much, much more. Check them out at Hurley benefits.com that's h-u-r-l-e-y benefits.com have you been tagged yet again in an engagement ring photo are hints being dropped all around you rest assured diamore fine jewelers has been rescuing men seeking the perfect ring for over 25 years come in with a picture of her dream ring and we'll make it a reality with our five-year financing custom design team and selection of diamonds we'll make the whole process fun and enjoyable DMRA Fine Jewelers on West Waco Drive. 
Elevate your career with a new job at Versalift Southwest, a time manufacturing company. Versalift Southwest occupies a 16-acre state-of-the-art assembly and upfitting facility that develops and builds the world's best aerial lifts, digger derricks, and cable placers right here in Central Texas. They are now hiring hydraulic, electrical, and service technicians. They offer a great benefits package and outstanding starting pay. Drop by their location, 7601 Imperial Drive in Waco to apply. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Lark Smith with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update brought to you by McAdams and Sons Roofing. The Rangers jumped out to a 4-0 lead after two, but couldn't hold it, losing to Seattle 6-5. Game two of the four-game series tonight in Arlington, and you can hear the game on ESPN Central Texas. Rangers shortstop Corey Seager has been added to the all-star roster as an injury replacement for George Springer. He will also take part in the home run derby on Monday. The Astros needed an extra inning to beat the Angels 3-2. Jose Altuve was hit in the knee with the opening pitch and is not only questionable for the home series this weekend against Oakland, but is also questionable for next week's all-star game. And round two of the Open Championship is underway in Scotland with Cameron Young out front by two strokes. Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Back here on the Matt Mosley Show, I love the live weather there, Aaron. That was a that was a unique touch. I I didn't do that when I was producing, but I appreciate you know it's still hot, but not as hot as it's been the last few days. Right, and it's a. Yeah, we just added that in the last month or so, and uh, it's pretty easy during the summer. We'll see how it goes, like, in the fall when there's actually a difference in the forecast. Uh, Yesterday was a little different with the rain, but it's usually sunny and hot with highs in the hundreds and lows in the upper 70s. I'm Stephen Simcox. I'm filling in for Matt Mosley, 254-662-1660. That's how you can chime in on the show. I want to know, Brett Yormark, new Big 12 commissioner, what do you want from the Big 12 commish? What do you want to see him do? What's his first priority? We actually have a caller on hold. This is uh, Josh Neighbors. He's calling in, and Josh has some thoughts on the future of the Big 12. Josh, go ahead. You're on 1660 ESPN Central Texas. Yes, Stephen. It's good to talk to you once again, and hello, Aaron. It's good to nice to talk to you as well. So I've seen a whole lot of this, and I want to get your all's thoughts because Brett Yormark said the Big 12 is open for business. Obviously, the Pac-12 has lost some teams, and so they seem a bit vulnerable. I've seen some pushback in Big 12 country from adding Pac-12 teams due to quote-unquote cultural differences. And I say to that, I don't care uh, at all because I want my schools, my conference, my teams to survive. I really don't care about that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to know what you guys thought about the idea of do cultural differences matter at this point or in my opinion, we're living in a world where, hey, UCLA you know, and USC are playing teams in Bloomington, Indiana, and Champaign, Illinois, and Piscataway, New Jersey. So I don't really care about cultural differences. I just want the money. My teams to survive at this point in time. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. I don't even know. I mean, I've heard that a little bit too, but I don't even know how someone could say that with a straight face. To me, it's like the Pac-12 last season – when they were looking to expand and even now, because at this moment, technically the PAC 12 is sticking together. It appears, and they're going to, you know, at this moment in time, 
try to stay the course. And there's been this thought of, well, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't want anybody who's not a big-time academic school, right? Like, if they're not a tier one research university, then get out. And, like, who who cares? Does Stanford people care? Like, are they just too good to do jello shots with people in Stillwater? I mean, ultimately, like, this is about the league surviving, as you said, Josh. It's about trying to find a way. The Big Ten and the SEC have kind of made their claim. We're the two big dogs. But I think number three still matters. In a four-team playoff, I think it matters. Eventually, hopefully, we're looking at maybe eight, 12 teams. And then I think it really comes into play. Who sort of is next in the pecking order? So, no, I don't care about, you know, West Coast liberal politics. I mean, like, honestly, it's just, it's more teams to play football against. It's more good road trips. And the biggest deal is, even though the money's not coming to me, you got to stay relevant in the national conversation era. Yeah, the most important thing is, do they add value to the conference? I mean, that's the overriding factor above all. And I think a lot of that pushback that you're talking about is because it, it's, I think it's coming from a lot of Baylor fans um, and TCU fans because there were so many rumors from so many different people that certain Pac-12 schools, California and Stanford being mentioned more than the others didn't want religious schools in the Pac-12. Right. So I think that's where a lot of it's come from. But as far as cultural fit, I don't care. And I don't think that the current membership of the Big 12 cares. And I don't think the new commissioner cares. He even talked about it, adding value to the conference. Yeah, thank you for the phone call, Josh. I appreciate it. And no, I I don't think it matters. And the funny thing too is, Aaron, I feel like – you know, I understand that's totally good what you're saying. And that was a conversation last year. The Pac-12, that was a non-starter for them. Oh, we, we won't allow religious schools because of the, you know, the politics that I guess come with it. The funny thing is about that, I think a lot of Baylor fans would laugh at the idea that TCU would be getting excluded because of their religious affiliation just because <laughs> the, the church that TCU is affiliated with is, uh, you know, has a little bit different theology than, you know, the more traditional Baptist church that, right. that Baylor is, is affiliated with. Uh, but ultimately, like these things don't matter. And I, I think for Brett Yormark, the priority number one has to be adding schools and negotiating TV contracts. This is a guy that was brought in. I mean, the days of like your conference commissioner, his job being to go to, you know, West Virginia, Kansas State basketball games on a Wednesday night and sort of shake hands and introduce himself to people, those are gone. I don't think Brett Yormark is worried about rule changes in cross country or trying to get the college baseball scholarship limits up. Now, those are all things that within the structure of the big 12 and across the country are hot button issues, but like all these realignment changes are happening because TV partners are trying to make money. Like that's who's driving the bus here. That's what's going on. I understand that as a whole, there's still a lot of people that work in college athletics that care about the mission of student athlete experience and you know, creating and fostering like a culture that allows young men and women to make a difference after college. But the people making these decisions are trying to make money. So Brett Yormark has been brought in to negotiate with these TV partners to try to find a way to get the Big 12, to keep the Big 12 relevant in the national conversation. So in my mind, the first thing he has to do, and we, we've heard about the four corner schools is what they're called. Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. 
bringing them in. Mm-hmm. I think that's step one. Like, go get these schools from the Pac-12 and weaken the Pac-12. Because, Aaron, if you take those four schools away, then obviously Oregon and Washington are still there, and those are the two big brands that are left. But then, like, what do they do? I mean, their only choice would be to add some group of five teams like Boise State, maybe San Diego State, teams like that on the West Coast. But you would really position yourself to be in a place of power. And I don't know if you disagree with me here, but I think this is the first time in a long time where it feels like the the eight schools that are sticking around after UT and Oklahoma leave and the four schools that are coming in are on the same page for the first time in a while. And they kind of have the strong united front of, okay, let's stick together, let's make this work, and there's not as much infighting as there has been in the past. No, I think you're right. I, I, and not that in the back of my mind there's still that worry that something could happen that could negatively, negatively affect the Big 12, but absolutely I think that the Big 12 is in the best positions it's been in since all this conference realignment started. And it's crazy. I talked about it with Matt, but a lot of it had to do with timing because if USC and UCLA had went to the Big 10 before Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC, then it would be the Big 12 scrambling right now to try to figure out their future. And going back to what you were talking about, adding the four, four corner schools, Utah, the Arizona schools, and um, Colorado. in Colorado, I think if you do that, then the Pac-12 is done. Well, I, and yeah. I think since the Big Ten is done expanding, and if they do, from every indication, it's going to be Notre Dame only, and then they would take Stanford along with them, mm-hmm. I think that wouldn't leave – I don't think that would leave Oregon and Washington any choice, really, but to join the Big 12 at that point because they're not going to the SEC either. Correct. And it's funny because really Utah is the only school on that list that has a kind of competent football program right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you add some TV markets potentially. Um, there's just a lot more options. And, and really, it just puts pressure on the rest of Pac 12 schools to sort of make a decision. Aaron, what was it that you, what, what issue did you have with Bob Bolsey? When you kind of look back at his tenure, what were the things that sort of stirred you up and made you upset about how he handled? The, the Big 12 Conference during his time there? Because we have a, a new era coming here with Brett Yormark. He, he was never proactive. He was always content just to sit back and let Texas run the conference and, and, and cash those checks. And that ended up costing, almost destroyed the conference because Texas and Oklahoma went behind his back and joined the SEC. I mean, he didn't. It's just, and look, he did some good things. John's talked about him, but the biggest thing that he didn't do, and we talked about his comment about how he sleeps great at night because about about expansion, about not expansion happening. not happening. Yeah, I mean did. that's that's what everyone's going to remember. That was his mindset, and expansion's always happening. It should always be at the forefront of your mind. He was just never prepared. For the things that happened, that's my biggest biggest problem with Bob Bowlesby's time as the commissioner. No, I'm there with you. Uh, you can let us know what you think Brett Yormark needs to do. 254-662-1660 as the new commissioner. And we have a little uh, – okay, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But here's here's my description of Bob Bowlesby in his, his time as the Big 12 commissioner. Did you watch The Office? Love The Office. Okay. The American so, version, right? Not yeah. the Okay. 
<laughs> so there's a, a an episode of The Office where Michael and Dwight go to a sales conference. And Jim is also at the sales conference. He's working with a new branch. And Jim and his new manager are like having a good time. They're having fun. And Michael is jealous. And at one point, Jim and the new boss, they sort of share an inside joke together. And Michael Scott says, I love inside jokes. And I'd love to be a part of one someday. And to me, that's Bob Bowlesby. <laughs> like he was, he's a nice guy. He's a well-meaning guy. I think he wanted to do the best job possible, but he didn't seem to have his finger on the pulse of what was happening next. He didn't seem to honestly have the respect of his peers. And listen, that's not totally his fault. I mean, these people made decisions behind his back, but like if not for A&M wanting to try to, you know, sabotage the Texas of the SEC move, we might not have known this had happened until the paper had been signed on the dotted line because all this just happened behind the scenes. And they tried to tear the Big 12 apart. They didn't quite do it. But yes, Brett Yormark is here to try to take this in a new direction and understand, okay, college football's changing. Like, the media landscape is changing. We're not just talking about traditional cable anymore. We now have these streaming services that are also wanting to get in the mix. What does this mean for expanded playoffs? How does name, image, and likeness come into this? These are all the questions he's having to answer. Do we have some reaction on the text line, Aaron? We did have uh, from Grumpy Old Fan. He said, your mark is a marketing guy and the Big 12 brand is not really strong. After all, how many people sounded surprised that the Big 12 was in better shape than the Pac-12, which is actually a good point. He said, it wouldn't surprise me if the rebranding rumors start as early as Labor Day. Well, and and that's a good point. And, and thank you, Grumpy Old Fan, for chiming in. I'm not totally sure. One one hurdle they're going to have to get over here, I don't know if people really watch Big 12 football because there's still this lazy, and, and I'm not sure if it's just a joke or if folks actually believe this, but I'll watch an NFL game on Sunday, right? Or maybe there will be a Monday night game on. And if it gets into a shootout, like that, uh, I guess it was um, like Rams-Chiefs game a couple of years ago on Monday night, there's a lot of scoring, right? there's still this lazy joke that people make that they say, Oh man, a big 12 game just broke out on Monday night football because it's like a high scoring affair. And you just got to think to yourself, like, do you wa- have you watched a big 12 game the last few years? I mean, not that there's not some good skill players in the league still, but honestly it's a defensive league now. I mean, you look at what Dave Aranda has done at Baylor. He's a defensive minded head coach. Brett Venables is taking over at Oklahoma. We'll see what he does. I think that's kind of a weird fit from a vibe standpoint, but you know, he's a defensive guy, defense, longtime defense coordinator. Um, Oklahoma state has sort of changed their identity. Like they used to be a high flying team under Mike Gundy. And now they're more defensive oriented. Uh, you know, Chris Kleiman and Neil Brown seem to be kind of in that same sphere. Obviously Gary Patterson for a long time was a defensive coach. He's now gone. We'll see what Joey McGuire does at Texas tech. I know he has a defensive background, but he also brought in a Zach Kitley who was at, Western uh, Kentucky and mm-hmm. has done a nice job at some different schools. He was at Houston Baptist before that. He's put up a lot of points, but anyway, my, my point is like if people watch the big 12, I think they would know that it's, it's honestly kind of changed the identity has. And so that is one of the challenges that he'll have to sort of fix making sure people understand this is a tough league. It's a physical league and there's good football being played. Like, I think maybe the the Blue Bloods, they won't have it. But Cincinnati was in the playoff last year. Like Houston had a really good season under Dana Holgerson. Yeah, they played in the AAC championship game against 
Cincinnati. They did. I mean, UCF, Gus Malzahn year one didn't really work, but that's a program that's had some success. Uh, BYU is obviously like has a brand with, you know, the Church of Latter-day Saints. They, they travel well. It's a good football program. They're consistently very good. Um, we've seen Baylor and Oklahoma State sort of figure things out, and they played for the title last year. There's a lot of good football in this league. And so whether it's, you know, playing games on ESPN or NBC, you just got to find a way to get people to understand that that's what's happening in the Big 12. So I think for Brett Yormark, you're right to the listener, grumpy old fan that chimed in. Like he's been brought in, he's a marketing guy. He has a background in pro sports. And so he's coming in to negotiate these TV deals to make sure the Big 12 is forward thinking and to be a businessman. Like the university president said they were blown away in the interview process by the vision that he set out for the Big 12. And you know what that means? That means he sold them on an idea of the Big 12 making a lot of money mm-hmm. <laughs> in the new landscape. And so that's his job. And that's what he'll be tasked with as he sort of takes over here on August 1st. We'll stay with the college football conversation when we come back. You can keep chiming in, 254-662-1660. Call us or text us. What do you want to see Brett Yormark do, the new Big 12 commissioner? But next we have Campus Confidential. Aaron will lead us through some pressing stories around college sports. Recently on Game Time, we welcome into the program from CBSSports.com, Shehan Jayaraja. That's what's really unfortunate for him about this, that they had somebody like Caleb Williams waiting in the wings as somebody who's won a Big 12 championship. To hear people chant, we want Caleb from the crowd, you know, a freshman quarterback who hasn't really done anything at that point. I understand the frustration, but at the same time, that's kind of part of being a college football player. That's part of playing at a program like Oklahoma. Game Time, weekdays at 7 a.m. on ESPN Central Texas. A bank in any town USA treats everyone like, well, anyone. At Central National Bank, we provide Central Texans with a different kind of banking. We believe in people over processes, listening over telling, and helping our customers over helping ourselves. Come to Central National Bank and experience the difference. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Since 1975, Schmaltz's Sandwich Shop has been serving their one-of-a-kind sandwiches, soups, and salads to hungry Central Texans. They start early in the morning baking their homemade artisan bread. The sandwiches are oven-toasted, giving the bread a crunchy crust covering and a soft and dry, airy center. Ask for everyone's favorite, the Schmaltz. A combination of three cheeses, three meats, and all the fixings. They welcome phone-in orders at their Town West or Downtown locations. Waco Born and Bread, Schmaltz's Sandwich Shop. I'd like to tell you a story of one of the largest forgotten groups in America. You might be sad or even a little shocked to learn that this precious group provided the muscle and the drive that kept America working. But now they sit forgotten in a dark garage or in the back of a driveway, sometimes even a yard or a field. I'm talking about the forgotten trucks, the ones we pushed to the side for something shiny and new. Now that new trucks are in short supply, that old truck yearns to add new chapters to its story, to feel alive with its steering wheel gripped in your hands. It cries out, I'm not old, I'm just getting started. And at Pickup Outfitters, we celebrate the classic, the future vintage, the retro trucks, whether that's a 2014 used truck or that 20-year-old you got from your dad. Put it back to work again, get it dressed up again, and let us help you do that at Pickup Outfitters. Hitches, bed covers, floor liners, spray and bed liners, we have it at Pickup Outfitters. 220 Lake Air Drive in Waco. 
ESPN Central Texas is your flagship station for Baylor Athletics. When you do whatever it takes to get the job done, they say you're on it. At ASCO Equipment, they work hard to get the job done and get it done right. They partnered with Doosan Forklifts because they get the job done too. Doosan builds cushion, electric, and pneumatic forklifts you buy and rent at ASCO Equipment. And they service and support it. Quality forklifts that get the job done. ASCO Equipment, they're on it, whatever it is. For most of the people that walk in our store, it's been an ongoing, nonstop issue. They're searching, they're, they're grasping at straws because they've been trying other products and they've bought something that they thought was gonna help solve their problem and it didn't. You're listening to Beth, an art support specialist at the Goodfeet store. A client came into my store last year that has had plantar fasciitis for 30 years. He literally walked in with a handful of products and said, this is what I've been wearing. I looked at him, I said, are you kidding me? I've been here for 14, where have you been? For over 20 years, we've been helping people live the life they love without letting their feet get in the way. I'm just sad that he spent so many years with so much discomfort. I helped relieve a problem that's plagued him for 30 years. I mean, how do you not go home and talk about that? See what we can do for you with a free personalized arch support fitting at the Good Feet Store. Good Feet Waco in Central Texas Marketplace across from Lazy Boy. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Lark Smith with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update brought to you by McAdams and Sons Roofing. The Rangers jumped out to a 4-0 lead after two, but couldn't hold it, losing to Seattle 6-5. Game two of the four-game series tonight in Arlington, and you can hear the game on ESPN Central Texas. Rangers shortstop Corey Seager has been added to the All-Star roster as an injury replacement for George Springer. He will also take part in the home run derby on Monday. The Astros needed an extra inning to beat the Angels 3-2. Jose Altuve was hit in the knee with the opening pitch and is not only questionable for the home series this weekend against Oakland, but is also questionable for next week's All-Star game. And round two of the Open Championship is underway in Scotland with Cameron Young out front by two strokes. Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. It's time for Campus Confidential, our daily look at college football news. Here's your host, Matt Mosley. I do love that music. I'm not Matt Mosley. I'm Stephen Simcox. Uh, filling in for Matt, he is on vacation. I believe they're in Italy today. And Aaron Sexton's alongside me. And you, you're used to this if you listen to the show on a regular basis. It's Campus Confidential, where we go around college football, the world of college sports. So, Aaron, take it away. What do we have going on in the world of college athletics? We will start with officiating news. Greg Burks, the uh, director of officiating for the Big 12, was at Big 12 Media Day yesterday. And if you listen to his interview right here on ESPN Central Texas, he talked about this. But... He said that the horns down gesture directed at the Texas Longhorns was a dead issue. Even with the Longhorns set to depart the league, Burke said he knew the question was coming and said, yes, it will still be a judgment call. He said, quote, let me be very clear with horns down. I have no ownership on this symbol. The symbol is the same as all other symbols. It's when you do it, who you do it to, and which manner you do it. So basically, if you do it, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty. You can bank on that. Aaron, this is the dumbest thing in, in Big 12 sports. It is. 
What do you think about the horns down issue? Let us know. 254-662-1660 if you want to text it's, or call. It's like a special it's like a special exemption for Texas that they, yes. that, that it, you call a penalty on someone doing the horns down. But you don't do that to any like if you did the Baylor, you know, the TCU TCU hand symbol sure. and did it down or, or I don't know, did anything like that with a hand signal for any other team. There would obviously not be a penalty, but for some reason, there's a penalty for the horns down. It does play into the reception that Texas gets special treatment. (laughs) Here's my advice to Texas. Embrace being the villain. Like, sports needs villains. It needs heels. Yes. Like, just embrace it. Okay, people like beating you. You should take that as a compliment. Even with the mediocre results you put on the football field in the past decade, it's still special for people to be at the University of Texas. And I remember... It seems like this conversation started. It's been going on for a long time. But I think West Virginia, they went into Austin and won a game a few years ago. And Will Greer did it, right? Like, he scored either a two-point conversion or a touchdown. He put the horns down. And then the rules sort of got instituted. But it's just silly. Like, let don't call a penalty. Let people have fun. Let them throw the horns down. You know, let it just settle itself on the football field. I don't understand the need to try to legislate it. It's uh, it's dumb. Like, let sports be fun, guys. Just I, allow it to happen. I agree. It's ridiculous, and and it's especially ridiculous because it's the only hand gesture besides the one that obviously you can't do that you would get a penalty for. <laughs> well, and also, well, I mean, I guess if you did the the the, the throat, the throat slash, slash, yeah, but no one does that anymore because you know, and that's yeah. not directly related to a school like the horns down is. Yeah, Kenny Hill cost TCU a game a while back against Arkansas because he did a throat slash after a touchdown. But anyway, (laughs) uh, the horns down, one is it's just easy to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. you were talking about, like, the other hand signals, Mm -hmm. which I think that's just a Texas thing. It seems like only colleges in Texas are really, like, kind of really obsessed with having some sort of hand signal for their university. Right. But it's, it's really easy to just put it down. And they fed into it by legislating. Like, I think if they would just let it play out, it would have been fine, but then it's like a penalty and it's this big deal. And so now it's become a bigger issue than it needs to. But yeah, I saw that they're trying to, you know, penalize people for throwing the horns down again. It's ridiculous. It'll be one of the things I don't miss when Texas leaves for the SEC. Like they can just handle that. Right. Don't worry about that specific taunting rule. Anymore. Right. You know what? And I bet the SEC officials don't throw flags for the horns down because they won't yeah, care. Probably not. They won't care. They will not care. Oklahoma, speaking of uh, Big 12 media days, Oklahoma State football coach Mike Gundy offered advice jokingly, and that's in quotes, he said, to new Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark, don't let the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners continue to participate in the league's business meetings. And I don't know if he was really saying it jokingly or kind of walking back comments that he got some heat for, but I agree 100%. They should not be privy to what the Big 12 is planning to do because that's how you get leaks because they have no I mean what it, what's to them what's the big deal if they leak rumors of what the Big 12 is going to do say expansion wise you know it, it's weird that they're still involved in the conversation I think they could probably find a middle ground where they're present for some things and not present for others but I agree. Like, it, it's strange they're still making decisions, especially when it comes to, like, revenue sharing. Right. Because they're not going to be here for much longer. Yeah, there, there's there's certain things that they obviously have to be kept in the loop mm-hmm. on because they're still conference members. But 
if, when the discussion turns to the future of the Big 12, they absolutely should not be involved or privy to those conversations. Well, they can go to the SEC meetings and, and get caught up on yeah, what, they, what's coming up there. They can loiter over there. <laughs> I like Mike Gundy these days. I feel like he's kind of – he's older. You know, he's been there for a while. He's winning games, so he feels pretty comfortable. You got to be careful with Mike. Sometimes he'll get on a political rant on you. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when he's when he's sort of in a good mood and he's at something like media days and he's riffing, like he had a couple good quotes during his car wash of uh, media days earlier this week. I think he's found a, a good a good place there at Oklahoma State where he feels comfortable and we're getting some honesty from him, which is refreshing out of a coach. But yeah, take it to him, Mike. He also said something about Bedlam. You know, he's disappointed that it's ending, but it's all about Oklahoma right. leaving. I, I like uh, this old man version of Mike Gundy who doesn't care what, what people think about him. Yeah, he's kind of become the dean of the coaches in the Big 12 now with Texas and Oklahoma yes. getting departing because he sees an opportunity for his program to kind of be the new face of the Big 12, which obviously we're both hoping that the teams we support, Baylor in my case and TCU in your case, mm-hmm. will be those teams. But Oklahoma's in a great position to do that. They played for a Big 12 championship last year and they've been very successful under coach Gundy yeah it is like the great question of the future of the league and it might end up you know being like there might be more parity than normal but there's I think there's a lot of schools that in the new look big 12 say to themselves oh yeah we could we could be the team like we could be that kind of dominant force that Oklahoma is now but um, man it, it's a uh, it's fun to think about sort of some new life in in the Big 12 and just a new era of uh, of teams that are coming in. couple from the uh, CNC Collision text line, yeah, text line it, yeah. Uh, from the 903. He says, will there be a penalty for when UT is losing this year and the SEC chance starts? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Why are we legislating like specific taunting like this, especially when it relates to text? It's a hand gesture. If you don't like it, Go win the ball games, UT. Like, if, if you don't enjoy being taunted, then figure it out on the field. And I'm, I agree with you 100%. If you're Texas, just embrace it. That's what yeah. the Yankees do. It's what the Cowboys do. They know that they have a ton of fans. They also know that they have a ton of haters. Who cares? If you're, like, embrace it. That's exactly right. But for some reason... The school and their fans can never do that. They can never not be offended by the things that happen. They're just, I I don't know. And that's not every Texas fan. And living in Texas, it goes without saying that I have a ton of friends and family that are UT fans, but it just seems like they get, I don't know, they get bent out of shape by everything that happens. Do we have something from TJ? Is it readable? I know TJ can be a loose cannon sometimes. Are we, are we allowed to I get this I just agree with us. It's dumb that, that uh, it's – and that's actually a good word. He says it's embarrassing that you get a penalty for the horns down. It, it is. It's a, it's a bad look for the conference. <laughs> Thank you, TJ, for chiming in. Good to hear from you, buddy. And uh, TJ's a UT fan, unless I'm mixing him up with somebody else, but I'm pretty sure you, uh, TJ reached for the horns. So even he thinks it's ridiculous. It's a silly thing, but – it's one of those deals where you you, uh, you know you start down a path and then you can't really reverse it. You have to sort of stick with it. And so now the Big 12 has backed themselves into a corner with this horns down situation. Pat Forty with an article out today that has what he calls 
the desirability ratings of all 69 Power 5 schools. All right. It's basically ranking them from most to least desirable as far as conference realignment is concerned. He's basically taking the conferences completely out of it and saying if you started from scratch, this would be the order according to him. He used five metrics to determine this, and it's like he even says, look, it's not perfect, but this is what I use, so at least you know how I came to the conclusion. So this is all the schools that are not in the Big Ten and SEC, their desirability? No, it's every school. Every school. Yeah, he did it like there are no conferences. Okay, so every school like in the Power Five. Yes, all 69. Oh, okay, this will be fun. So can I try to guess what number one is? Sure. Just uh, real quick, I'll go over what he used to determine for his rankings. Football. That's good. And while you're doing that, if people want to chime in, who who do you think number one is on the desirability rankings? Two five four six six two sixteen six. Sorry, go ahead, Eric. No, you're good. Yeah, who who do you think is the most, most desirable fun. program in the country according to Pat Forty? He used football rankings, which he used the five year average of the Sagarin ratings, which is fair. Academic ranking. This he said this is simply the most U.S. most recent U.S. News and World Report national university rankings. All sport rankings, which he just used the Learfield Division One Learfield Directors Cup Division One standings for the 21-22 academic year, which I don't know of just using one year of that, you know, is is ideal. But okay, football attendance, the average home attendance from 2017 to 2021, not including 20, which was the COVID year, and broadcast viewership. From 2017 to 2021, also tossing out 2020 because of COVID. Okay, so I'll I'll take a stab at number one here, and I'm I'm kind of torn, but I'm just gonna I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm gonna go with the team that I think is both really good on the field and marketable. Is Alabama number one in this list? They are not. They really? are number ten. Really? Yeah. Okay. Who's number one? Ohio State. Okay. Uh, I would have gotten there eventually, but that shocks me. All right, out of curiosity, run down the top five for me. Sure. I actually, I'll do I'll do the uh, the top ten top real 10. quick. Okay. So Ohio, Ohio State's one. Right. Michigan two. And by the way, if you look, if you Google the list of the uh, top ten highest rated college football games last year, not including the four mm-hmm. the three playoff games, Michigan I think had four of the top six, which mm-hmm. was incredible. Uh, Alabama had four of the top ten, and I think Ohio State had three of the top ten. But anyway, Michigan second, Notre Dame third, Texas four, Georgia fifth, then Florida, Wisconsin, Oklahoma at eight, USC, Alabama at ten. Uh, some other quick notables, Texas A&M was 12 on the list. Oklahoma State 25th, Iowa State 27th. TCU, 37th, BYU, 40th, and Baylor, 44th. Some of the schools Mm. below Baylor include Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Duke, Texas Tech, Maryland, Missouri, Colorado, and Kansas State. And the bottom two, 68 and 69, Kansas and Houston. Really? Okay, so the Kansas thing surprises me. But I think it plays into what we suspect, which in 40 is really basing this off football. If you're just kind of joining us, Aaron's running down like a desirability ranking of all the Power 5 schools, and this is from Pat 40. He created the metric for it. Kansas seems to think they might get in the Big Ten just based off the basketball angle. I'm not buying into it, but that's interesting to me that they're that low on the list. 
Um, Baylor at 44, I think it plays into a frustration a lot of people have, which is, and I know Baylor had a couple tough years, you know, the first year under Matt Rule, first year in Dave Aranda. But none of this stuff is about on the field, right? Like Pat Forty talks about how he, he uses the rankings, the, the on-the-field metrics, but it's really about marketing. And so I'm surprised, you know, I understood you ran through the top 10. Alabama's number 10. I guess Alabama was number one. I was very wrong. And I could see, I could see all of it, all the schools you listed. But man, USC, I know it's historically really good. And maybe it's just the Southern bias. I don't watch a lot of West Coast football, but they have really fallen off a cliff to me as far as brand name goes. But of course, they are going to the Big Ten along with UCLA, and they're you know kind of carrying that ship. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm obsessed with stats, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> and things like TV ratings. And I can tell you, just last year, just last year, the UCLA USC game had lower ratings than the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game. Really? Yeah. And then that's just, I'm not, they, they were on the same weekend is why I use that as an example. Um, but that's, I think, a pretty good example of kind of surprising strength of the TV numbers of the Big 12 and how far USC and UCLA have fallen in recent years as far as popularity. Well, you also think about the Pac-12 the last few seasons. The COVID year, they were basically non-existent. Yeah. And, of course, Clay Helton was at USC. Now Lincoln Riley's coming in. we got to go to break here, so I'll be quick. But, man, USC, like, the West Coast, I just don't know how much the Pac-12 cares about football. And they sort of made their own bed in that regard. But it does show you, like, college football, it's Midwest, right? Like Ohio State, Michigan, and they're a national brand. But sort of Big Ten country, and then, of course, down in the SEC and the Big 12, like, that's really where people are rabid about it. Not so much. In, in the Pac-12 anymore. Um, okay, when we come back, 254-662-1660. We're going to talk some Rangers. We'll switch gears a little bit in hour number two. I know TJ's a Ranger fan. I think Grumpy Old Fan is. Let me know. What do you want the Rangers to do with the deadline? Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Should they just stand pat? And I'll tell you why uh, a Rangers loss made me mad for the first time in a long time last night. We'll discuss all that next on ESPN Central Texas. Listen to ESPN Central Texas online at CentexSportsFan.com. In my podcast, Your Money in a Cup of Joe, we talk money management, investments, and retirement in a Q&A style format, helping to break down complicated topics. I'm Joe Kaleo with the Kaleo Wealth Management Group. Look for Your Money in a Cup of Joe on our website or Spotify. Kaleo Wealth Management is a Central Texas team of UBS Financial Services, member FINRA SIPC. Make your vehicle look and run like new again at CNC Collision Center. They're your locally owned and operated location for paint and body repairs, frame straightening, spray and bed liners, and wheel alignments. CNC Collision Center offers free estimates, and they'll also come to you for car pickup and delivery. Have your car restored to its original beauty. CNC Collision Center, 5849 North Highway 6 in Spiegelville, at cccollisioncenter.com and on Facebook. The best prices on newer used guns can be found at Appaloosa Trade and Post Rodeo Pond. They have a large selection of 9mm guns, revolvers, shotguns, and ammo from brand names like Smith & Wesson, Canik, Bursa, Glock, and Ruger. Buy, sell, or trade with a friendly and knowledgeable staff that will promptly answer your questions. And ask about their lifetime warranty on new guns. Financing is available. Apply today by texting 16118222462. Appaloosa Trade and Post Rodeo Pond, 3101 North Robinson Drive in Waco. 
ESPN Central Texas is your home of the Texas Rangers. With more than 160,000 alumni worldwide and counting, the Baylor family is growing. And through the university's expanded Baylor alumni program, the family is growing closer. With hundreds of local volunteers planning events in cities and towns around the country, you can gather with fellow Bears no matter where you are. So get connected, get something started, get involved, and make plans to get together with Baylor alumni. Visit us at baylor.edu slash alumni. What do John Morris, Kirk Watson, Maxine Hart, Walter Abercrombie, Martha Lou Scott, Michael Hyatt, and Robert Darden all have in common? They've each been interviewed on Baylor Line's Direct Line Conversation Series. You can hear from these outstanding bears and many, many more with a subscription to Baylor Line Insider. This is your all-access pass to the best content in the Baylor family. Subscribe today at BaylorLine.com slash KRZI. From the Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Studios, this is KRZI Waco, K222DC Waco, K265DV Temple, ESPN Central Texas. Welcome back to the Matt Mosley Show. The presenting sponsor of the Matt Mosley Show is Central National Bank. Also sponsored by Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, Barnett Contracting, Baylor Line Foundation, Myatt Fuels, Schmoltz's Sandwich Shop, VersaLive Southwest Time Manufacturing, and UBO Business Services. And now, here's Matt Mosley. Hour number two of the Matt Mosley Show. I'm Stephen Simcox. I'm filling in for Matt today. He'll be back. Is he back uh, like Wednesday of next week, Aaron? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Aaron Sexton alongside me. We talked a lot of college football in the first hour. We're going to switch gears here a little bit. You can always chime in on the show, 254-662-1660. Appreciate some of the responses we've gotten so far. You can also call us. I want to talk some Rangers here, though. Uh, Texas is 41 and 46. They fell last night to the Mariners, six to five. They play the M's again tonight and three more times before the all-star break coming up. They're five games under 500. They are four and a half games out of the AL wildcard right now, but they're behind the White Sox, the Guardians, the Red Hot Baltimore Orioles. Um, so it's four and a half games, but there's a lot of teams that are sort of ahead of them jumbled up there. And the last few seasons, I have watched the Rangers a lot because I love baseball, but I haven't really been emotionally invested because I understand what they're doing. They're in rebuild mode. And the last few years, they really didn't have anybody on the roster that was exciting or worth watching. Now, that's changed somewhat. They added Marcus Simeon. They added Corey Seager on the offseason. They added Martin Perez, not for a whole lot of money, but it turned out to be a really good signing. And so they're better. They went after John Gray. They shoot up the rotation a little bit more. This lineup is, is more formidable. And so I've been enjoying watching them play this year. But the last few weeks, they've frustrated me because they've blown so many games with that bullpen. They don't really have a closer. They're trying out Brett Martin right now, and it's yielded some decent results. Uh, Dennis Santana had another tough outing last night. But they go up 5 nothing on Seattle. And one thing that I can't figure out about this team, I, I think it's some of it's just the way baseball's played now because there's so many strikeouts and there's less emphasis on making contact. But one thing that kills me about this team is 
they'll score runs in bunches. Like early in the game, they touched up Marco uh, Gonzalez pretty well. He's a good pitcher for the Mariners. Scored three runs in the first, one run in the second. And they only scored one run the rest of the game. And they do that a lot, Aaron. They'll just sort of like get going and they'll have an inning where they score four runs. And then they just go silent the rest of the day. And so they went up uh, four nothing last night. Leody Tavares misplayed a ball in the fourth and gave up an inside the park home run. But then they were up, uh, they answered that and they're up five one and they gave up five unanswered to the Mariners. Two in the seventh, three in the eighth, and they lose six five. I don't know what their record is exactly in one run, one run games this year at this point. I know it's bad. At one point it was like four and 16 and they just keep blowing these games. And it, it's starting to really grate on me because like I can tell they're going in the right direction. I think they're getting better and I'm getting a little impatient because I'm like, man, if you could sure up this bullpen a little bit, like the rest of this team is pretty solid and you're still technically kind of in the wild card hunt. So I want to know two, five, four, six, six, two, 16, 60. If you're the Rangers or just as a Rangers fan, what do you want to see them do with the trade? Cause I think they have a lot of options. They're not completely in sell mode. Like they've been in the past. They could just sort of stay pat with the team they got, understand that this year they're probably going to have a lot of games like last night with this bullpen or they lose six to five or they just give up a comeback win. You could be aggressive and say, okay, we're going to get a few arms, maybe add another bat, give up some prospects and hopefully make a push for the playoffs or you could sell. I mean, I think Martin Perez would be a tantalizing option for a lot of teams that are in contention. But it would also be hard to give him up because he's been so good for you this year. What's your feel, Aaron? What do you think this uh, this front office is going to do here as we approach the end of the month and they have to make some decisions? I think they will trade for a couple of relievers. I don't think that because you wouldn't have to really affect your farm system that much. It's finally built back up from the shambles it's been in the last, what, seven to eight years. Mm -hmm. It's finally back into the top ten in major leagues. And I don't think that they want to trade away a bunch of prospects because their window is supposed to open probably starting next year or the year after. But you see that you've got a competitive team and you see that you've got one huge weakness that's costing you a lot of games. And if you can fix that weakness – And honestly, bullpen is probably the easiest and cheapest as far as what you give up in trades to fix if you can identify a couple of pitchers to kind of fill the gaps for you. You can do it without giving up top, top prospects. You can. And I mean, bullpen's kind of hard. It can be hard to figure out because they're sort of like kickers in football. Like there's a (laughs) mental aspect to it. And sometimes a change of scenery for a guy Coming in the eighth inning doesn't work. I remember they went and got Mike Adams, and this is one example, obviously. They went and got Mike Adams a few years ago from the Padres, and they were in the middle of a playoff race, and he was supposed to be like their eighth inning dude, the bridge guy that got you to the ninth. And he was just, I mean, he had a rough, he had a rough second half of the season, didn't pitch well. Um I'm I'm sort of at a conundrum with Martin Perez. I think they should keep him. And they, they faced the same issue with Kyle Gibson last year, but it was pretty obvious that they were totally out of contention. And Gibson was a dude, and of course Mike Miner too. But both those guys were sort of career journeymen who were later in their careers and 
They suddenly sort of figured it out, but you didn't feel like they were going to do that for a long time. Perez is older. He's 31. There's not a lot. Of, there's not a great history of like pitchers figuring it out when they're in their 30s. But he's been really solid this year. And he's dropped his ERA down to 2.68. And like he's been solid in the past. He's not a guy that is an ace of the staff traditionally. But he's been a good number two or number three pitcher. So I could see them holding on to Perez and just sort of waiting this out, seeing if he could be a good long-term option for him. I think that would be a good place to start. And then, you know, you go from there. I would not be opposed to them adding at least one bullpen arm at the deadline. I'm not like a minor league. Like you mentioned the farm system and I agree with you. I've heard from people. It's really been built up. Well, I don't, like scour, you know, minor league stats and sort of keep up with who's rising. But I know like Jace Young, he's been injured this year, but he's a really good prospect at third base. Uh, Josh Smith seems like a fun player. I don't know where he ends up playing once Young gets called up. Maybe they throw him in the outfield. Um, Jack Leiter has been roughed up a little bit. I've I've seen that, you know, but he – is a a good pitcher coming out of college. And I I think he could be eventually maybe a cornerstone piece of the staff. So they're headed in the right direction. And I think for Ranger fans, the key is to just be patient, but man, losing games like last night, that's a killer. Do we have anything? Do we have any thoughts from our, our people, Aaron, two, five, four, six, six, two, 16, 60 about the Rangers and sort of where they are as we approach the, uh, the trade deadline here at the end of the month? TJ said a lot of things need to happen for the Rangers. He doesn't like Woody's uh, use of pinch hitters late in the games, and he uh, agrees that the bullpen is, quote, terrible, 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 which I think we can all agree on that. But Yeah, I mean, there's there's no sugarcoat in that. Uh, Chris Woodward, I don't know. Jury's still out to me. I, I feel like we're finally starting to figure out who he is because yeah. the first few seasons, like, he didn't have a whole lot to work with. Um, and now, like, you have a team that is is pretty solid. Yeah, he does like to pinch hit a lot in the ninth inning. I think they had two pinch hitters last night in the bottom of the ninth. Um, he's quick with the hook, with starting pitching. He's letting those guys grind things out a little bit more than he did early in the season. But to, to a certain extent, like, that's just modern baseball, unfortunately. He's kind of, um, you know, in the in the same boat as a lot of other managers. So there's a rumor out there. I talked about this Monday when I was filling in on the morning show. Uh, Joey Gallo reunion. Now, if you haven't kept up with Joey Gallo in New York, he is struggling right now. I mean, like hitting 078 in his last 10 games. Like that kind of struggling. Can't make contact. The Bronx has not been good to him. And so I could see Texas maybe taking a flyer. I don't really know what you'd give up. I wouldn't want to trade for him. I think if they were really interested in Joey Gallo, you wait until the offseason because he'll be a free agent. And Scott Boris is his agent. And Scott Boris is notorious for holding out for big money. But I just don't – I mean, I don't think Joey Gallo has a lot of leverage at this point. No, and Scott Boris, I know you always want to bet on your players, and it usually works out, but I think he made a mistake when the Rangers wanted to extend Joey Gallo. Of course, they didn't want to give him top Mm -hmm. dollar, but they offered him a lot of money, and they were like, and Scott Boris was like, nope, we're going to wait for free agency, and I don't think he'll be offered what the Rangers 
offer, offered him uh, last year. It's <laughs> I forget with COVID, but yeah, I they traded it, him mid season last mid season last year. So they they offered him a pretty hefty contract. It was not market value. I will be the first to admit that, but it was not well below market value, if that makes sense. And yeah, and I, I understand why Scott Boris said no, but now he may have to take like a one-year flyer contract to try to get his numbers back up and then hopefully sign a long-term deal. I had a lot of arguments on these airwaves about Joey Gallo through the years. Um, and a lot of it came back to he was such a frustrating player. He he really is, in some ways, the poster child for modern baseball because like when he makes contact, he hits home runs. When he doesn't, he's usually striking out. Well, obviously, when he doesn't make contact, he's striking out. He used to walk a lot. He's not doing that as much anymore. Um, he's an above-average fielder. He wanted to be in Texas, and Aaron mentioned like Scott Boris kind of said, no, we need to wait this out. We need to see what happens. But I, I think it was a big mistake just because it doesn't really seem like he's handling the pressure cooker of New York well, even though like he's not even in the pressure cooker that much because they have so many other good bats in that lineup, but it just hasn't worked for him. To me, though, it, it feels like I don't think it's going to happen, and I, I think it would be a bad idea unless you just sign him for peanuts. But it feels kind of like uh, if you break up with somebody and then six months later you're both still single and you think, oh, well, maybe we should just do that again. That was kind of fun. <laughs> we, you know, we had a good time. Uh, I don't really want to date right now. Like Maybe I'll just reunite with this person. I, I don't think getting Joey Gallo back in Arlington – is going to fix the Rangers' problems. But it's it's on the table. It's nice to be sitting here at the All-Star break. I will say this. To be sitting here at the All-Star break and talk about a team that has a pulse and that's not just, you know, in the doldrums of the summer waiting for the season to end. They at least seem to be moving in the right direction. And, you know, we, we've seen that with, uh, with the Orioles, with the Mariners now. Like, there are a few teams in baseball – that are uh, rebuilding at a pretty good pace. But um, I think the future is bright in Texas. Maybe, Aaron. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I like the the path they're moving down in, in this rebuild so far. No, I agree 100%. I think that – and I, I was convinced that the new ownership group wasn't going to spend. They were going to lean on the new ballpark for revenue and their local cable broadcasting contracts for revenue and that they would be like what Cincinnati – what the Reds are doing this year, which is basically spending nothing, yeah. but you can still make a hefty profit even if nobody shows up at the stadium. It, it, it's ridiculous, and I feel bad for Reds fans. I thought that's where we were headed. And then they spent half a billion dollars in the span of a week on free agents, and it did make them instantly competitive, kind of. And they've got lighter coming through the system. They've got a couple of really good arms coming up through the system who may be in the majors next year, and so the future, I think, is bright, and I think that they're kind of already exceeding expectations this year, which actually, I agree with you, that I'm frustrated, too, with all these close losses, and I think that makes it even more frustrating because last year you knew they were going to lose 100 games. It was a slog, and, I mean, they it, – it took longer to get to this place. In this place, like, still they're an under-500 team. But you're right, Aaron, it did look like that ownership group was like, oh, no, we're just going to make money. And not worry about being competitive, uh, but they have finally, you know, dipped in their pockets a little bit. We got anything else on the text line before we go to break here? 
Leon said, just don't get him started, Simi. Leon, are you frustrated <laughs> with this Rangers team? I know Leon's a big fan of the Rangers. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I feel pretty optimistic about this group. But, hey, I'm frustrated with this bullpen. I know that. Like, they, they annoyed me last night by blowing another game. Okay, when we come back, uh, we'll open this up to our listeners, too. 254-662-1660. I'll, let Aaron, I'll get Aaron's thoughts. Let's do sort of dealer's choice here. What do we want to talk about next? Here are your options, okay? Cowboys and their offensive line issues. The Mavericks, sort of the offseason and some NBA offseason talk. Or uh, our friend Bryce Cherry had a fun article about the Longhorns and their preseason expectations. So these, these are your three options. Let us know what you want to hear next. 254-662-1660. Uh, do you want to hear some Cowboys talk? We'll talk about the Cowboys' biggest issues going into the season. Texas Longhorns, preseason expectations. Or Mavericks, you know, their offseason and some NBA offseason notes. We'll cover all that next on the Matt Mosley Show. Your weather report is brought to you by the Nitsche Group. Since 1949, the Nitsche Group Insurance Agency has offered Texans policies for their personal, commercial, and bonding insurance needs. Check them out at nitschegroup.com. With the Nitsche Group Insurance Agency, Texans can go to one company and get access to insurance coverage options from many carriers. Learn more at the nitschegroup.com. Your ESPN Central Texas forecast for tonight, clear skies and a little cooler than it has been with a low near 71. Through the weekend, it's going to be sunny and hot, no surprise, with highs around 105 both days. We'll see overnight lows in the mid-70s. Currently 98 at ESPN Central Texas. What a year for Baylor Athletics. Matt Meyer will hold the ball, toss it high in the air. Baylor can celebrate a second straight Big 12 Conference Championship. Baylor clinches it with a win over Iowa State tonight here in the Farrell Center. 75-68, drop the confetti in the Farrell Center. From the flagship station for Baylor Athletics, ESPN Central Texas. Ready to break ground on your next commercial construction project? Founded in 1969, Barnett Contracting is your single source for preparing for your next build. Their services include excavation, utilities, civil engineering, concrete work, paving, and storm drainage. Do business with Central Texas's premier site work contractor, Barnett Contracting, where they strive for successful projects and satisfy clients. Learn more at barnettcontracting.com. Myatt Fuels should be your first and local choice for high-quality fuel and lubricant. They are Central Texas-owned and operated independent distribution and bulk delivery company. You call, they haul. They deliver on-road diesel, off-road, farm diesel, gasoline, and non-ethanol gasoline. Known for the great pricing and quickest delivery, call Nick, the owner, for all your gasoline delivery needs at 675-8107. That's Myatt Fuels. Call Nick at 675-8107 or look for Myatt Fuels on Facebook. What's up, guys? This is Tori down at Harley-Davidson of Waco. With gas prices booming, you deserve to get your knees in the breeze and save some cash. With record-breaking numbers the past few months and June right on track to make waves, we need your help to keep up this momentum. Whether it's purchasing your very first Harley-Davidson motorcycle or getting rid of your third old bike in the garage, we would love to have your business. Be cautious of the heat outside, but take advantage of the heat inside with these smoking hot deals, y'all. Trade it in, take it home, or turn it over. This is only the beginning at Harley-Davidson of Waco, where you'll never ride alone. 
The Voice of the Bears, John Morris. Weekdays at 3 p.m. on ESPN Central Texas. Looking for a great job with great pay and awesome benefits? Genco FCU is hiring. As a longtime Waco employer, Genco focuses on what matters most in our employees' lives, like pay incentives, bonuses, benefits, 401k plans, paid time off, advancement opportunities, medical, prescription, dental, and vision insurance, as well as short and long-term disability. Come join our incredible team today and make Genco your career that will work for you. Apply at GencoFCU.org or at any branch location. Summer is when blood donations are at their lowest. Do you know there's a need for 1,500 local blood donors each day? You can help. In just one hour, you can donate blood with Carter Blood Care for local hospital patients who need transfusions. So do what I do. Take a break, donate blood, and save lives. Schedule your appointment today at carterbloodcare.org or call 800-366-2834. ESPN Central Texas is your flagship station for Baylor Athletics. Waco Tacos in downtown Waco and Union Hall introduces their new craveable taco of the month. The Nashville Hot Chicken Taco. Crispy fried chicken, Nashville hot sauce, cabbage slaw, and chipotle mayo on a fresh flour tortilla. It's spicy, savory, and delish. Hurry into Waco Tacos at Union Hall at 720 Franklin Avenue in downtown Waco or call us at 254-340-1700. Waco Tacos in downtown Waco. With more than 160,000 alumni worldwide and counting, the Baylor family is growing. And through the university's expanded Baylor alumni program, the family is growing closer. With hundreds of local volunteers planning events in cities and towns around the country, you can gather with fellow Bears no matter where you are. So get connected, get something started, get involved, and make plans to get together with Baylor alumni. Visit us at baylor.edu alumni. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Lark Smith with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update brought to you by Hurley Benefit Services. The Rangers jumped out to a 4-0 lead after two, but couldn't hold it, losing to Seattle 6-5. Game two of the four-game series tonight in Arlington, and you can hear the game on ESPN Central Texas. Rangers shortstop Corey Seager has been added to the all-star roster as an injury replacement for George Springer. He will also take part in the home run derby on Monday. The Astros needed an extra inning to beat the Angels 3-2. Jose Altuve was hit in the knee with the opening pitch and is not only questionable for the home series this weekend against Oakland, but is also questionable for next week's all-star game. And round two of the Open Championship is underway in Scotland with Cameron Young out front by two strokes. Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. All right, here we go. 523 is the time. It's the Matt Mosley Show. I'm Stephen Simcox. I'm filling in today. We talked some college football. Aaron Sexton is running the board. He's producing, co-hosting, doing all the things I used to have to do. A very stressful job. Uh, we talked some Rangers in the last segment. I enjoyed that. Texas playing the Mariners on these airwaves. I don't have this in front of me. I'm guessing 630 pregame, 705 first pitch. Yes. On the station, Aaron? Okay. That's where you can listen if you'd like. 
So I, I sort of gave it out, like sent the bat signal out. I had a couple options for a 520 segment. I was like, hey, what do you guys want to hear? And our results are in. We're going to talk some Cowboys here, which is always a fun topic. Now, we're sort of in the – the NFL does this better than anybody. All sports are shooting for this. They want to be 24-7, 365. NBA has kind of done it with free agency. Major League Baseball hasn't really captured it. But the NFL, I mean, season ends, free agency, draft. There's more trades now than ever. Guys are getting moved all over the place. So there's always news. But this is sort of the one time in the calendar where it's kind of dead. You got about a month until training camp. You're just sort of waiting to see what happens when these teams report. But I want to know from our people, 254-662-1660. What do you think is the biggest concern for the Cowboys going into the season? I was sort of mulling over this today, and Bob Sturm, who is a radio host in Dallas, he mentioned it first, or I I don't know, other people have probably mentioned it. I saw him mention it first. He said he's really concerned about this offensive line, And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, the O-line for Dallas, it's not as good as it was early in Dak's career. Like, that rookie season, I mean, he had all day to throw. I think, funny enough, like, that offensive line was so good his rookie season that Dak's, like, internal clock in his head kind of got messed up because he was used to having so much time to throw the football that he kind of got used to that. That's a great point I didn't think about because it's one of the most most frustrating things watching the Cowboys the last couple years is – Dak holding on to the ball too long and not getting rid of it and getting sacked. And that happens so often. That's, that could be the reason. Right. I think part of it is, I mean, he's a dual threat, obviously. Like he can make things happen with his legs when the play breaks down. So he's waiting on that as well. And, you know, Romo, like he would move out of the pocket, but it was always Romo had some mobility, but it was really more escapability. He had good pocket presence and he was always moving out of the pocket, looking to throw the ball down the field. Dak, has some of that as well, but you know, he'll also tuck it and run. But yeah, I do feel like his, his internal clock kind of got skewed a little bit because he got so much time when he was a young quarterback. Anyway, it's deteriorated, but I don't think it's really fallen off a cliff. You look at their projected lineup going into the season, though, (laughs) this offensive line. So you got Tyron Smith, which like at this point with Tyron Smith, he's still a good player. He's not, I don't think he's an all pro like he used to be. But you can count on him not practicing most weeks, which, I mean, who cares? Like, he's a professional. He's been doing this a long time. He can get away with that. And what do you think, Aaron? Like, you can count on him missing probably four or five games a season? I was about to say, you can, you can count on him for about 11 or 12 games. Tyler Smith is their big first-round draft pick out of Tulsa. He is evaluated as a project, which is always – what people love to hear. <laughs> He's a guy with a lot of potential, but he played tackle uh, for Philip Montgomery at Tulsa. And it seems like he might move inside and be a, you know, a day one starter at guard. So I think he's one of those at one of those guard spots. Your center is going to be Tyler Biotish, who's done a nice job. I mean, he's replacing Travis Frederick, which I don't know if he ends up in the hall of fame. I think he would have, if not for having to cut his career short due to, you know, Gillian Barre syndrome. Um, but Biotish is not as strong, you know, at that spot. He, he gets pushed around sometimes. Your other guard, uh, Zach Martin, who's a great player, Hall of Fame player, but 
Sort of like Tyron Smith. I mean, not as injury prone, but we've seen him sort of break down a little bit the last few years. And then Terrence Steele at that other tackle spot. And you look around the rest of that offense, the Cowboys have had a weird offseason. They really haven't added a lot of practical production. You know, they, they got rid of Amari Cooper. They didn't get much for him. That trade still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Aaron. No, especially with what these wide receivers are signing for and especially what teams are getting for trading the wide receivers. It's everything that the Cowboys do make me so glad I'm not a fan anymore. I just, I had had enough and my final, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was Stephen Jones saying you don't win Super Bowls in the offseason. And I was just like, you know what, that's, that's the guy that's going to take over after Jerry Jones. People are like, well, man, it, we'll just if we could just ever get Jerry Jones out of the way, things will be different. No, well, they may be. They'll probably be worse. Stephen Jones is just clueless. He's supposed to be a master of the cap, yet every year they're over the cap and they have to cut good players, which I realize every team does to a certain extent, but it's never because they're all in like some teams, like the Rams. You know, they're going to have to make some tough decisions in the offseason like they do every offseason, but they got a Super Bowl to show for it. Right. It doesn't matter to them because they won a championship. Exactly right. Like, if you do it, nobody cares. Uh, Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you know, for a long time, Jerry Jones, like, he was known as this freewheeling, like, shoot from the hip guy, and I think he's earned that reputation. But honestly, like, in free agency, they don't really do anything. I mean, they just just sit there. They try to sign the bottom of the barrel yes, as far as free just, agency reclamation project yeah. projects. They won't spend any money and then they overpay for their own draft picks. Like Ezekiel Elliott, when everyone in the world knew that that was a terrible contract, mm-hmm. they're paying for that right now because he's, he's got them up against the cap. You cannot pay your quarterback and your running back that much money. It's part of the reason why they had to get rid of Amari Cooper's contract. And they're still up against it as far as the cap is concerned. It's just ridiculous. It's such a terribly run team. If they didn't have, I've said this many times, if they didn't have Will McClay, they would be the Detroit Lions because he's a great talent evaluator and he's got enough say-so when it comes to the draft that they continue to get good players. And there's probably other people in the scouting department that deserve credit too, but he's the main one. Other than that, if it was just, up to Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, they would be the Detroit Lions. Well, they do have a decent reputation. You mentioned one McKay, McClay, which is a good name, and he's a big part of this. They do have a good reputation of like finding some guys for cheap money and turning them into valuable players for the team or finding some guys late in the draft that end up being valuable players for this team. But going into the year now, I mean, Amari Cooper's gone, and so that just sort of shakes up your whole pecking order with your wide receivers – I really like CeeDee Lamb. I think he's a special player. But him being the number one wide out on the outside, like that's a totally different dynamic than how they had used him the past few years, which is more on the slot, kind of, you know, getting the ball in space, trying to allow him to make plays on the run, yards after catch. You can still do that from that position. But, I mean, like going up the field, running some of those more precise routes, that was something that Amari did well. Even if they didn't always find a way to maybe get his full potential out or, and you know, that's a two way street. Like Amari at times to be fair would sort of disappear. Like he had a, a tendency in big games or in road games to just not be a fact, not be the the dominant number one wide receiver you want. And then they went and re-signed Michael Gallup 
And now we're talking about another injury situation. I, mean, I like Michael Gallup. I know he's been through a lot. You know, his personal life, he's a great story. Um, but he's also had the, the knee issues. And it's just tough to see him being reliable. So kind of all that's on the table. You talked about the, the Zeke situation, which is his own problem. They paid him a lot of money. And it sort of goes hand in hand with the offensive line situation. When they gave him that extension, I still think at that point, even though the around the league, everybody was like, why would you pay a running back? It kind of made sense because they were still a team that liked to run the football. That was their identity. But now, Aaron, I mean, they throw it all over the place. Zeke doesn't look as explosive as he did in the past. And so what do you think? I mean, is this offensive line the biggest issue for this team? Is it um, something on the defense? Do they kind of bounce back nicely with Dan Quinn as the coordinator? What's your biggest concern for the Cowboys going into the season? Yeah, Losing Randy Gregory, I think, hurt, and yeah. they signed uh, uh, from the Falcons. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I am too. But I know to, you're to try to about replace Ed him, and, and the then they're basically saying oh, we're going to replace his productivity by committee. That never works on the defensive line, especially Dante Fowler. Yeah, Dante Fowler, yeah, Florida guy, high draft pick, hasn't really panned out yet. Right, they're going to. He's going to be the main one, but you know, a couple couple of guys that they already had, Dorrance Armstrong. They're going to kind of rotate those guys, and they think that they they seem to believe they're going to get the same amount of productivity they got from Randy Gregory. It doesn't work like that. Randy Gregory is a special pass rusher. He's had his issues, but if there's one thing that he's genuinely great at, it's getting to the quarterback. We saw that last year, but I would say offensive line, definitely. The, the veterans are kind of living off their past right now. Um, a right. Lot, a lot of it... And a lot of it is the national media is kind of lazy at times. And I know it's impossible to keep up with every team, every player, but they just, every time they still, you still hear them talk about Zach Martin, not so much, but especially Tyron Smith, they act like he's still the same guy he was five years ago. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you know, he's not anywhere near that guy. The pass rushing situation is, is a good point to bring up. And, yeah, the Randy Gregory thing, man, I mean, they just whiffed so hard. And that's a killer, too, because they were so patient with him through all of the, you know, addiction issues that he dealt with and getting suspended and not being able to go on the field. And not that, like, he owes them a hometown discount, but just the fact that you couldn't get a deal done is super frustrating. Demarcus Lawrence is, I realize, like, he's a good run stuffer and there's some things that he does taking on double teams that's, not always doesn't always show up in the stat line, but it's important. But man, it's tough for me. Like they paid Demarcus Lawrence to get to the passer, and he hasn't done that a lot. Now, one thing that offsets this: Dante Fowler's coming in. I like Dorrance Armstrong. I'm not sure if he's a guy that can play three downs. Like he's more of a specialist, right? Like he can come in, be a fresh body for you, um, be someone and come off the edge. One thing that sort of offsets the pass rushing issue is is Micah Parsons was just such a monster blitzing last year. And that is a pick that they got right. I thought for sure they were going to go corner. And, of course, like Carolina and Denver ended up taking corners back-to-back right in front of them. And then they got Micah Parsons. And they said, like, this is the guy we wanted all along. I still don't know if that's totally true, but it's worked out. I mean, Dan Quinn found a way to use him that was really special and that sort of changed the dynamic of that defense. And I feel like in year two, they'll still be pretty solid, but 
man, I, I just I don't know how you get a how you get over some of the offensive hurdles here. I like Dak a lot. I'm higher on him than most. I know like our, our buddy Leon was not happy when he got paid. Um, but I think he's a good QB. I feel like you can win a lot of games with him. However, like the the skill players around him aren't as good. This O line is you know, kind of at the end of the road to a certain extent with some of those guys. Do you, th- do you believe in Kellen Moore, Aaron? Like, do you feel like he's the type of play caller? Sometimes you see play callers make up for those deficiencies. Is Kellen Moore the type of guy that can do that? I honestly can't answer that. I don't know. Because if you look at the start of last year, he looked like a genius. He looked like you couldn't come up with a defense that could stop his offense. And then as the season progressed, the offense got progressively worse. And you were talking about Dak's weapons. You know, you trade Amari Cooper in another terrible move. Like, even if you decided that you want to get rid of his salary, he doesn't fit your locker room well. We heard a lot of things. Whatever the reason, it's ridiculous that you only got a fifth-round draft pick for an all-pro wide receiver. It is. I and, mean, and especially number- when you when you look at the other deals that went down this offseason for wideouts that you sort of laid out there. Yeah, the Kellen Moore situation is intriguing. I, I think he is a, a smart guy, but there has been a lack of consistency with this offense that falls on his feet to a certain extent. The other thing is, you know, when you talk about offensive line play, I, I ask you that question, like, can you make up for the deficiencies on that offense? You know, if you have a quarterback that's not, like, the most dynamic player in the world, there are sort of ways that you can work around that. There are sort of ways that you can protect him. I think there's a ceiling, right? Like, you might not want a Super Bowl playing that way. But you can run the football. You can, you know, hope your defense holds up well, play keep away a little bit, use high-percentage throws, short and intermediate passing games. But there's, like, there's not much you can do besides (laughs) calling – just quick drop backs, trying to get the ball out of your hands as soon as possible. There's not much you can do when it comes to getting around a bad offensive line. Like I remember uh, when Dave Aranda, his first season, when Baylor was struggling so much on offense, and people asked him, I thought it was a fair question, but they asked him like, hey, why are you why are you guys not throwing the ball down the field that much? And he was very honest. He was like, well, it's because we can't block. <laughs> we don't have time. Like, like we just We don't have the time to run these long developing routes. Uh, because we can't block up front, we're getting thrown around, and so we we don't have the ability to do that, and so it's it's just something that you can't really escape. So I, I think that might be the biggest issue for uh for the Cowboys going into the season is figuring out this offensive line situation. You can keep chiming in two five four six six two sixteen sixty. We'll take a break here. When we come back, uh, do we still call this the dismount, Aaron? We do. Okay, we'll discuss that next. Uh, we'll kind of wrap things up and hit on some things we missed. Dismount coming up next on ESPN Central Texas. Recently on the John Moore Show. As we welcome in our next guest, Baylor's associate head coach, Alvin Brooks III from Baylor Men's Basketball joins us. You know, obviously we've been blessed with, you know, great players in the past that put us in position to win a lot of games. and. Due to the success of the program, we were asked to represent the United States, and Toronto, Canada is the place that we'll be now. John Morris, weekdays at 3 p.m. on ESPN Central Texas. 
Hey guys, it's Jana with Advanced House Leveling and Foundation Repair. I missed my mama's call a while ago. Hello. Hey, guess what you're on? If I'm on commercial again, I don't come cheap. Well, uh, I can't afford you. What you want? <laughs> hey, tell them we do foundation repair, mama. Oh, they do foundation repair. Great workers. Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't do it right. You can call my mama at 254-749-2183. Absolutely. Hi, mama. Love you. Gotta go. So you can give us a call at 254 235 or you can call my mama or and complain. Visit us at vixajimmy.com. Make your vehicle look and run like new again at CNC Collision Center. They're your locally owned and operated location for paint and body repairs, frame straightening, spray and bed liners, and wheel alignments. CNC Collision Center offers free estimates and they'll also come to you for car pickup and delivery. Have your car restored to its original beauty. CNC Collision Center, 5849 North Highway 6 in Spiegelville at cccollisioncenter.com and on Facebook. Baylor Football on ESPN Central Texas. You wouldn't call your doctor, accountant, or mechanic using a 1-800 number, so why your bank? If you have to dial 1-800, you don't know your bank, and your bank doesn't know you. Come to Central National Bank and experience the difference. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Some things never change, like the commitment to service and protection the Nietzsche Group Insurance Agency has offered since 1949. Whether you're needing a new business policy to get your operations up and running, adding cyber liability for a remote workforce, or if you're needing to pause your current coverage, our team is here for the protection you need when you need it. Whatever your coverage needs, talk to the experts that care. Call the Nietzsche Group to discuss your personal, commercial, and bonding insurance needs at 1-800-258-8302. Texas consumers are shopping again. Is your business ready? Eminem Broadcaster's unique mix of music and sports genres reached thousands of listeners in Central Texas, including your potential customers. Market your business today and see your business grow. Call Eminem Broadcasters today at 254-772-0930. 254-772-0930. That's 254-772-0930. Or email to info at mmbwaco.com. This is ESPN Central Texas. Hi, my name is Amanda Cunningham. I am a local realtor that has a passion for people. I've helped clients buy and sell over 80 homes in 2019 and would love to help you buy or sell that perfect home. You deserve to get top dollar for your home. Listing with an experienced agent that specializes in not only promoting your home, but helping you get your home buyer ready is key. I have a team of people around me that make what I do each day possible. If you're searching for that perfect home, your experience should be pleasant and stress-free. Call me today. I want to meet you. 254-495-0338. Google Amanda Cunningham. Cunningham Realtor with Colwell Banker Apex to find my website, Facebook, and more. This is Scott Davis, owner of Universal Windows. With inflation driving material costs through the roof and interest rates rising, don't put off replacing those old inefficient windows. Take advantage of our 0% interest for up to six years. Save the equity in your home. Save your cash. Call today, 254-301-7760, and you too will be saved. I love my windows. They've got that brand new home Stay close. The Dismount with Matt Mosley is coming up on ESPN Central Texas. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Lark Smith with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update brought to you by Hurley Benefit Services. 
The Rangers jumped out to a 4-0 lead after two, but couldn't hold it, losing to Seattle 6-5. Game two of the four-game series tonight in Arlington, and you can hear the game on ESPN Central Texas. Rangers shortstop Corey Seager has been added to the All-Star roster as an injury replacement for George Springer. He will also take part in the home run derby on Monday. The Astros needed an extra inning to beat the Angels 3-2. Jose Altuve was hit in the knee with the opening pitch and is not only questionable for the home series this weekend against Oakland, but is also questionable for next week's All-Star game. And round two of the Open Championship is underway in Scotland with Cameron Young out front by two strokes. Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. It's time now for the dismount on the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. I do like that music. Closing up shop on a Friday. Local programming coming to a close for the week. We will have Rangers on here shortly. I'm Stephen Simcox. I've been filling in for Matt Mosley today. Aaron Sexton is manning the controls, making sure I'm doing everything correctly. So this is where we sort of run down some things that we might have missed here in the show. Let's start with some NBA talk. Uh, this all happened really fast yesterday, but DeAndre Ayton, who is big man for the Phoenix Suns, he got a four-year, $133 million offer sheet from the Pacers. And he's a restricted free agent, so he signed it. The Suns had an opportunity to match it, and they went ahead and did. He's going to remain in Phoenix for the time being. Um, He can't be traded until January 15th, so he'll at least be in Phoenix kind of through the middle of the season. This is curious to me for two reasons. One, Aaron, like, the Mavs took the Suns out in seven games. In that game seven, I mean, obviously, like, Suns weren't feeling great. Body language everywhere was bad, but... Aiton sort of checked out. Monty Williams didn't put him in the game. Monty Williams didn't have great things to say about him in his exit interview. It seemed like this was coming to a divorce, but they're going to roll with uh, with Aiton for a little while longer. It's also funny to me because he's got really good numbers. I mean, he's averaged in 17 and 10. He's been sort of overshadowed because he was in the same draft class as Luka Doncic, but he's been a good player. But, I mean, he's really like a rim runner. I mean, he's a guy that, and what I mean by that is he's, you know, he benefits from Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting a lot of attention. He rolls on pick and rolls and gets a lot of high percentage looks and capitalizes on them. He's not like a traditional kind of back-to-the-basket big man. Those guys don't really exist anymore anyway. He doesn't play a ton in the high post, but that's a lot of money, Aaron. Four years, $133 million. Pacers were ready to kind of make him the centerpiece of their rebuild, but the Suns have decided to to stay the course with DeAndre Ayton, at least for now. Yeah, and it surprised a lot of people because their owner had kind of made it known that until they signed him, until they matched the offer yesterday, that he was dead set against going into the luxury mm-hmm. tax. Now, they can still get rid of, shed some salaries and get underneath it, but they basically had to do that because they had mismanaged the situation with Ayton so bad that if they didn't, they would have lost the overall number one pick from what four years ago yeah and got absolutely nothing in return at least this way you have him under contract and you have to wait till after january 25th is that what 15th 15th i knew it was in january january 15th to trade him but at least he's an asset and even overpaid he brings enough to the table to where you can find someone that will take that contract 
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you can get something for him now. You weren't going to be able to do that if you just let him walk to the Pacers, but I'm just shocked they took on that that money since it didn't seem like they were committed to him. But, hey, I mean, he is like – he's a guy that averages almost 20 and 10, which is so rare in today's game for a center. And he's very athletic. He's a good defender. There's some reasons to keep him around. I just – it felt like that relationship was coming to an end, so I was a little surprised they're staying the course there. Uh Richie Incognito retired today. Las Vegas Raiders lineman. Had a weird career, Aaron. Uh, you know, he's in Miami for a while. One, he's 39. I didn't realize that. That's old. I mean, he's playing That's football a, as a yeah. lineman. He's almost 40 years old. That's crazy. You know, we've seen Tom Brady do it for a long time, but that's a, a less physical position. He was in Miami, and he had that whole bullying situation with Jonathan Martin. He was in the center of. Then he moved on to Buffalo. Then was in Las Vegas for a little bit. Uh, just a, a strange career coming to an end with Richie Incognito retiring and moving on from NFL life today. Not really sure if and how he'll be remembered, uh, you know, when people look back on his career later on. Yeah, I think it'll generally be negative just because of those two. Yeah, the controversies. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the racism and then the uh, bullying accusations with uh, and I, what was his name? A Jonathan Martin. Jonathan Miami, Martin. Yeah, that's yeah. he's a fellow he, lineman. Right, and he pretty much left the league after that, didn't he? I think he, he stuck did. around for maybe one more year, but he was kind of a promising offensive, a young offensive lineman in the league, I thought. And then after that, he just, he, I think he went to one more team the next year, and that was it. Yeah, weird situation, and you know, Richie also had some legal trouble. Just a strange career, but I was just blown away that he ended up playing. Until he was 39 years old. That's that's uh, that's pretty. A wild. lot of wear and tear to yeah. be in the trenches. He's hanging it up though with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Chiefs they could not come to terms with Orlando Brown, their big offensive lineman. So they're going to franchise tag him. Also the Cowboys they franchise tight end Dalton Schultz. Not really sure what Dallas will do with Dalton. He's kind of a, a curious case because he was really productive last year, but you know he's also sort of a. Um, a byproduct of Blake Jarwin getting hurt. So we'll see what they do next um, in the coming days and weeks. I've enjoyed today. I hope you have too. I'm Steven Suncox. I've been filling in for Matt Mosley. Um, this has been the Matt Mosley Show. Matt will be back next week. I believe Ward White's going to be kind of handling the situation on Monday and Tuesday. And uh, yeah, it's been a good time. Thank you, Aaron. Rangers coming up at 6.30. Free game show. First pitch at 7.05. Good night from Bagby Avenue. It's time for today's Spectrum Big 12 football preview. Today, a look at the Baylor Bears. Here's the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Everybody, it's time to check a Big 12 football on today's Spectrum Big 12 football preview. Today, we'll hear from Baylor senior linebacker Dylan Doyle. The Bears picked as the team to beat in the Big 12 conference this year. That's straight ahead on today's Spectrum Big 12 football preview. When it comes to choosing a mortgage lender, exactly who you work with has never mattered more than it does in today's economic climate. The Wood Group of Fairway Mortgage has been and continues to be Waco's most trusted mortgage lender. Ask any expert and they'll tell you now is the best time to purchase a new home. Inventory's up, competition is down, and rates are still historically low. I'm Chris Allman with the Wood Group of Fairway Mortgage. Call or text today at 254-717-6111. Let's talk financing and how we can help you afford the home you've always wanted. NMLS license number 180-8404.
The Baylor Bookstore on campus is your go-to location for the absolute latest in Baylor Nike gear. Shop in person or online at BaylorShop.com. Every team knows that the two-point play can be a winning move. That's why State Farm agent Mike McKenzie and his team are here to help you go for two by combining your home and auto insurance. It's a great call that saves you time and money, so go for the win and score savings by combining your home and auto. See State Farm agent Mike McKenzie at 2921 West Waco Drive or call 254-412-2327 or at 518 North Hewitt Drive in Hewitt or call 254 Hi, Kyle Sotrano here with George's Restaurant, Bar, and Catering to tell you about what's new this season. Come enjoy one of our brand new Big O cocktails and try some of our new items like avocado toast, Italian nachos, and shrimp and grits. You can watch the game on our 200-inch Big O screens at either location. Check out our new menus and party package options online at georgeswaco.com or come see for yourself. Serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner Monday through Saturday at both of our locations. George's number one at 1925 Spate Avenue and George's number two at 1201 Hewitt Drive. Sikkim Bears. Now, let's check out Big 12 Conference football with today's Spectrum Big 12 football preview. Here's John Morris. And welcome back. The Big 12 football media days wrapped up yesterday in Arlington. You know in the preseason poll, Baylor picked number one, picked to defend their Big 12 conference title. It's a different position for Baylor to be the hunted rather than the hunter, and we visited with senior linebacker Dylan Doyle about that role. How about that? That's, that's a different situation for Baylor to be uh, the hunted going into this year. Yeah, a little bit different, but... Um... I mean, you're always facing challenges. It's, it's, it's no different in my mind just from the standpoint of you have to, you have to identify the challenge you're facing and then go about it and, and, and kind of attack it. So I think coming off of 2-7, and seven, the challenge really was, hey, we got to be hungry. we got to learn the models that it'll take to be successful. And then now the challenge is, hey, we know the answers to the test, so let's go take the test, let's execute it, and, and try to fight complacency in the process. That's Baylor senior linebacker Dylan Doyle. He and the Bears start fall camp on August 5th. The season opener is September 3rd, Baylor versus Albany at McLean Stadium. And that's today's Spectrum Big 12 football preview. We'll continue with our team-by-team -team previews on Monday Talk to you then. I'm John Morris. ESPN Central Texas is 1660 AM, 92.3 FM, and 100.9 FM. Shipments of unique, one-of-a-kind rustic furniture for your home or office and western home decor arrives daily at Appaloosa Trading Post Rodeo Pond. Check out their living room, dining room, and bedroom sets, buffets, hall trees, sofas, end tables, and sectionals from Steve Silver.